0: Welcome to Not Just A Sports Report. G'day and welcome. To part two of the NRL Weekend Wrap for round eight. Uh, Also a round of great significance given that today on this very day as I speak it is Anzac Day. Uh, I would have to say the most significant day on the Australian and of course New Zealand calendar and a great day to remember the sacrifices um, not just of servicemen and women of today but most importantly uh, the Anzacs who fought so hard for many of the freedoms that we have today. So a day of great significance most definitely and to just give you an insight on exactly where I'm at right now at Anzac Day about 40 minutes until the Warriors game kicks off against the Melbourne Storm. So I've done part one Of the weekend wrap, that was the first six games. Uh, So every game in round eight, except for today's two Anzac fixtures. And I shit the bed. I shit the bed really hard. I accidentally, and I was sober too, completely sober. I have no excuse, no crutch to fall back on. I initially, for part one of the weekend wrap, uploaded a weekend wrap from round five so i only just realized that late last night and i was like oh my goodness i need to maybe double check um yeah so sorry if the version you listened to you were like what the hell's going on uh eventually got the right one uploaded wrapped up the six games from the round uh, in under 40 minutes and today's podcast gonna be a shorter one as well so to give you context on where we are at Uh, I've just watched the Roosters and the Dragons game and now we are just slowly warming in to the Warriors Storm game. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you would know this is my team, the Mighty Warriors. Uh, We are in fine, fine form this year and I was supposed to get a ticket to the game, given that I live in Melbourne, but it's sold out. It has sold out. I don't think I've ever been looking to get a ticket to a game at Amy Park that is sold out. So that is remarkable. It's a reflection of just how important Anzac Day is. It's a reflection of the Melbourne Storm and this amazing team that they have built over a long period of time. And it is also a reflection that the Warriors are playing better than we have in a long, long time. I think a lot of Kiwis keen to get out to the game despite last year A game that I was at being a traumatic experience. Of course, not traumatic when you compare it uh, to what, of course, the Anzacs went through. So, yeah, I don't want to say that too lightly. But it was pretty fucked up seeing 70 points get put on the Warriors. Uh, But now, we are a new team. There is a new belief. And I have been fanging for this game all week. I just cannot wait to see... Exactly where the Warriors are at and what improvements we've made to stop a storm side that has beaten us on Anzac Day every single year uh, Ever since 2015 so the last time we won 2014 I was actually at that game as well. Uh, I am Fingers crossed that we can get another win, but today what it is all about I'm going to talk about the two games. So I'll talk about Roosters Dragons first and then i'll sit down and watch the warriors game i can see they are just running out kind of warming up so very pumped up for that game Uh, roosters and dragons i'll talk about that in a moment but firstly some breaking news it looks as though it's been confirmed jack whiten signs a four-year deal with the south sydney Rabbitohs. that is massive news Broke around half time of the Roosters and Dragons game. And look, as someone who also follows the Raiders very closely, given that it's my family team, um, yeah, it felt like the writing was on the wall that Jack Whiten was almost certainly going to leave. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing. frees up a lot of money for Canberra to upgrade some of their bright young talents and potentially use that money elsewhere to bring someone in as well. Uh, But it seemed like it was between the Dolphins and the Rabbitohs. Looks like South Sydney have won the race. So Jack, he did say it wasn't all about money. His main goal to win a Premiership. And I do think that kind of lines up with him signing with the Rabbitohs who are much closer to a Premiership right now than the Dolphins and the Raiders. Now, it's a massive blow for the Canberra side, no doubt. They've stuck through Jack Whiten during some turbulent times in his career. Uh, But look, this is just the nature of the beast. Players leave all the time, and I can understand it. If Jack truly is being genuine in that he wants to win a premiership, and that's his reason for leaving, you've got to say, Canberra, they're not exactly in that window right now. They're kind of in this between phase where they have some stalwarts of the club like Jared Croker and Josh Papali and they have some really good emerging young talents who just aren't quite at the elite level yet. So Jack Whiten, he is going to go to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, does he play in the halves? Does he play in the centres? Most of the chat is that Jack is going to move into the centres But of course, Isaiah Tass, over on the weekend or last Thursday night, scoring the winning try against the Penrith Panthers. Uh, So he is going to have something to say about that. And it is going to be interesting going forward. How does South Sydney decide to use Jack Whiten? Of course, Jack is an Indigenous player as well. South Sydney, renowned for having such a strong culture and Indigenous uh, fan base. So I think that also makes a ton of sense and the thought of whiten in the same team as Latrell Mitchell, Damian Cook, Cody Walker, Keon Coleman, Matangi. I mean this this is a dangerous side. Throw in Campbell Graham as well for good measure and yeah, I mean South Sydney already this year gunning for the premiership but next year and they're going to be even stronger. So that is no doubt the huge news from today, Jack Whiten set to sign with the Rabbitohs on a four-year deal, which you would assume will be his last contract in the NRL. And yeah, he was my favorite Raiders player. But yeah, you're just going to understand the nature of the business. And that's not the only signing news that broke this weekend or this past week. Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. Returning to the New Zealand Warriors from 2024 onwards. That is news that put a smile on my dial, no doubt. There has been a Roger-shaped hole in my heart ever since he left. And then I thought that hole was filled by Reece Walsh. Uh, but he betrayed betrayed me at my darkest hour. So. And then he goes to the Broncos, playing in like Dele M form. But no hate toward Reece Walsh. So stoked that we are getting RTS back in the 13-man game. And as far as Super Rugby, like, I'm an Auckland Blues supporter, so I was like, whatever, at least he's playing for my Rugby Union team. But I would so much rather have Roger back in the NRL, and he signed for, I believe, three years? And one of the main talking points was, well, what about Chance Nicole Kluckstad? He was forced out of the team last time, I uh, said so that Roger could be playing fullback. This time around, looks like they're going to keep Chans at fullback and play Roger in the centres, which I like a lot. Means he doesn't have to do as much of the tough stuff and can be a real strike weapon out on the edge. Throw in the fact as well, Roger is such a natural leader of this club and as the Warriors begin to rise, I mean, this is the perfect signing to really complement what Andrew Webster and co. are starting to build at the side. So as you can probably tell, I am so stoked with the Roger Tuivasa Sheck news. And going forward, I like that we're playing him in the centers because a Tuapiki, I still believe he could be our long-term future. And whilst a lot of the talk was, what about chance? I was thinking, what about Tain Tuapiki? He took a risk to sign with us he backed us in uh, when he could have gone to other clubs. And I believe that whilst Charns will be our fullback for the next few years, I think ultimately Tain to a peaky could be our long-term option. So if Roger comes back and is playing fullback, maybe then Tain to a looks elsewhere. So all around, I love the signing. I mean, Roger returning to the club, it made my week feels like it was a couple of weeks ago now, uh, but it was only last week. And honestly, I've just been on such a high. Made my week. I woke up the next day to go to work and just sprung out of bed. I was like, Roger tuovasa is going to be a warrior again. So, look, I'll talk a bit more about the Whiten signing with the Rabbitohs probably in the preview for round nine, which I'll record tomorrow. And I'll also address... The Roger signing a little bit further. But in the interest of trying to keep this podcast short and sweet, uh, now what I'm going to do, I'm going to get into the Roosters and Dragons game. I'm going to watch the Warriors and Storm game. And then to finish off the podcast, usually we would start the weekend wrap with the performance highlights of the round. Uh, But given that it's been split into two, the podcasts, I'll finish today with the performance highlights player of the round, team of the round, cause for concern, and a few other things like that. So with that being said, not much else to do but get right amongst it. This is the NRL Weekend Wrap, part two. The traditional Anzac contest of the Roosters and Dragons kicked us off for today and after A spine-tingling ceremony pre-game and the roar of a packed house at Allianz Stadium. We kicked off and it took very little time for the Roosters to strike. James Tedesco scoring in the fourth minute of the game, his first try of the season. Now, Roosters, they shot out to a bit of a lead. And I'll be honest, I fell asleep like 20 minutes into the game and woke up about half-time. Just felt a little nap coming on, and I couldn't fight it off. So I was like, all right, let's just have a bit of a kip. Came back at the second half. Um, early in the second half, Joe Manu scores. Roosters are up 26 to, I believe, 12 or 10. I think 12. It's so 26 to 12. And at this stage of the game, it seems like Roosters probably going to run away with it. But Dragons, and specifically Tyrell Sloan had something to say about it. And after a first half with not much involvement, the young Dragons fullback exploded in the second half. He continuously ran the ball, came up with a try assist, produced a try himself. The Dragons managed, thanks to a Tao, Tao Moga hat-trick and some Tyrell Sloan brilliance, to level the game at 26 apiece. Now, at this stage, it is anyone's contest. Uh, On the Roosters side, up to this point, Luke Carey was phenomenal, really impressed by Jared Wairia Hargreaves, who's playing as though he's still in the peak of his career, even though it could very well be one of his last years in the NRL. JWH winding down the clock, or winding back the clock, Maybe winding it down if he is going to retire. Um, I also thought Joey Manu was superb at 5'8 for the Roosters. Obviously Sam Walker dropping out of the side. Probably the biggest talking point going into this game. And all around Roosters looked good until they didn't. And the Dragons had the game leveled at 26 all. Biggest talking point, 63rd minute. Victor Radley gets sent. the sin bin and he's got to have the record now for most sin bins in the nrl that is three already this year and his discipline has been a talking point for the roosters side already up to this stage now in my opinion i feel like that was a head clash i feel like that was just an out and out head clash i don't know why he was sent from the field for that but he was and then it seemed Like, Roosters were on some real shaky ground. They'd allowed the Dragons to come back into the contest, and if the Roosters lose this one, then we start to talk about, I mean, the fact that they had defensive lapses. Their defense uh, on their left side, which was Drew Hutchison stepped in after Daniel Tupo got injured, but Swali'i, Tupo, um, Egan Butcher... They were torn to shreds throughout the game. Moses Sully constantly causing issues on the right side for the Dragons. And yeah, Roosters, they're still not quite where I think a lot of us thought that they would be. But a win's a win, 73rd minute field goal to Luke Kerry And that is why, given the similarities between Kerry and Walker, that is why Keary was the one kept in the side he has runs on the board, two premierships to his name, and he has that game-winning X-Factor. So Sydney Roosters end up getting it done. Now, Dragons came very close to stealing it, if not for a mistake from young Toby Couchman. And ultimately, Dragons can hang their heads high, or hold their heads high. I don't think you can hang a head high. I think you can hang a head in shame, which is not what the Dragons should be doing after that, but unfortunately, uh, that's about all they can do, hold their head high, because they lost, and valiant effort, but at the end of the day, it's still a loss, and it really hurts their chances of playing finals, which is clearly the goal of St. George Illawarra this year. For the Roosters, they needed that win, they now have it, and they can set their sights on Mount Smart Stadium in round nine, in what should be a banger game, against my beloved Warriors. But Roosters, they get over the line only just, and it was the exact kind of entertainment, and the exact kind of heart that you would expect to see in an Anzac Day game. If you can't lift for a game like an Anzac Day contest, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. But thankfully they did, they produced an epic contest, and that is Wet the Whistle. Uh, for the contest I've been waiting all week for, let me just have a suss of the television. Uh, boys are in the sheds, so I think we're about 20 minutes away from kickoff of the Warriors and Storm game. I think I've said my piece on the Roosters and the Dragons game. So, yeah, I believe it might be time to grab a beer and sit down and get ready. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back at full time. Maybe even half-time, if I'm feeling feeling lucky. Uh, but probably just come back at full-time after this Warriors Storm contest. Hopefully, they haven't put 70 points on us. But Melbourne, look, I've come to know, this is usually one of their best games of the regular season. They've put a score on us a number of times. They've raced out to early leads. And that's why I'm so keen for this game. Because it is going to give us an idea of exactly where the Warriors sit. This time last year, they were poor. The coach was under pressure. Uh, We saw Delon Wataniza Lesniak get knocked out during the game, and Edward Cossey was one of the all-time just scarring games that could ruin a man's career. I think, hopefully, though, this is gonna be a massive redemption. So now I'm gonna sit down, soak in the Anzac ceremony in full and I'm gonna get amongst this game hopefully thanks to the power of technology it'll only be a couple of seconds but hopefully next time you hear from me I am talking about a famous Warriors win and not a very sad loss so now it brings me great joy to say this there is only one thing to do and that is to get amongst the Melbourne Storm and the New Zealand Warriors Sold out at Amy Park in Melbourne. There is no better way to finish this round up the fucking Warriors. I will be back at full time with all my thoughts on the game. Hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Bugger. Bugger Storm end up getting the win. Full credit to them as well. Uh, What a game. First half, Warriors right through the middle. We were rolling through the Melbourne Storm forward pack. Unfortunately, Melbourne Storm just too classy in the end. We, of course, as a Warriors team, did have some injuries as well. uh, Down to no men on the bench in the end. And Storm, unfortunately, for my sake, uh, they get the win 30-22. Now, I've seen a lot of people complaining about the referees. This... This wasn't a referees thing, unfortunately. Like, I mean fortunately, actually. Uh, I don't don't think the referees decided this. Uh, There was the try to Harry Grant that ended up deciding the game. And look, on first look, I did think it came off Remus Smith's hand. Uh, But when they were replaying it, I just... There wasn't conclusive evidence, to be fair. So, to nitpick and call that out as a defining moment, just, that's not the way I'm going to go here. Storm won fair and square. It's a full credit uh, to just how classy this outfit is. But Warriors in that first half, we looked the goods. Aden Fenua Blake scoring a try. Jackson Ford went over in the fourth minute. Uh, Dallin a Lesniak went over for a couple of tries throughout the game, but yeah, unfortunately, some Cameron Munster brilliance, some Nick Meaney specials, and Nelson Asofa solomona off the bench uh, just proved too much in the end. Now, it was a hearty display from the Warriors. I was super encouraged by what I saw despite the loss, and I think one of the real turning points of the game uh, was Torhu Harris. Going down injured because we were looking awesome up to that point. Torhu through the middle, his ball playing was really causing the storm some issues. Uh, but then Torhu went down. Jazz Tavanga, who was also massive for us, he went down. Chance Nicole Klukstad, who was having a superb game, he went down, and we even lost Bailey Syrinen as well. So it was a super gutsy effort, but in the end, Melbourne Storm proving. Just that fraction, too good on the night. Now let's break down some of the other talking points. Uh, Nick Meaney, Spirit of Anzac medalist, scored a couple of tries, and it's been remarkable his rise to being one of the great fullbacks in our game. Now, not quite at the elite level, but when you consider that he's Melbourne's second uh, second string fullback, I mean, it's very impressive what Meaney is doing, Had a lot of promise when he was a junior at the Newcastle Knights. Definitely showed us that he had talent in a struggling Bulldogs outfit. Uh, But now that Meany's really been given the opportunity to cement himself as a first grade fullback, he's doing a wonderful job. And, I mean, Ryan Pappenhausen, one of the biggest losses for the Storm. Uh, Now, Cameron Munster, probably the main guy that they don't want to be missing, but Ryan Pappenhausen would be right there uh, in that same ilk. I mean, Pappenhausen, when he is on form, he is an elite fullback. He kicks goals and just provides such an X factor that is truly rare to find. So Nick Meaney had another wonderful game, and it is a headache for Craig Bellamy. Where does Nick Meaney fit in uh, once, once Pappenhausen returns? Does mean he keep that fullback role, uh, so we'll have to watch the space on the Warriors side. Some devastating injuries, no doubt, but really proud of the way that the boys hung in there. And I thought Ed Cossey had a fantastic game. He of course was going to be targeted, given the shocker he had last year. And Ed Cossey well and truly held his own in this game. A uh, big talking point as well was the sin bin just before half time. Dylan Walker getting sent off. I didn't think that that was worthy of a sin bin, but yeah, whatever. I can't be asked breaking it down. It is what it is, and it didn't prove too costly. I think in the end, uh, we just ran out of gas. No guys on the bench. A very spirited effort from guys like Bunty Arfor and Tom Arley, uh, who played much more minutes than they regularly would. And now we sweat on the fitness of Torhu Harris and Jazz Tavanga, who are both gonna be huge losses ahead of this weekend's game against the Roosters. So all in all, look, an amazing first half for the Warriors. On the live ladder, we were sitting second place, uh, but after all was said and done, Storm get the win, and we've dropped down to seventh place. So that tells you just how congested this competition is from the 2nd last place Bulldogs, who are only two wins out of the eight, this competition outside of the Tigers is well and truly wide open. Now, that was a costly loss for the Warriors, and it's a stage there like going into half-time. I mean, they we should have won, but we didn't. It's unfortunate, and it's hard given the key personnel that we lost throughout the game. Uh, But this wasn't a case of refereeing. This was just a case of Melbourne Storm being the Melbourne Storm. You can be perfect for 50 minutes, for 60 minutes, but against Melbourne, in Melbourne, you really have to be on for the full 80. And look, whilst the Warriors boys, they gave everything they had, it just, unfortunately, wasn't enough. But a fantastic game. I mean, as soon as the Anzac ceremony kicked off, Uh, It was just something else. And from my bedroom, I could actually see the fireworks going off. And then after the Anzac ceremony, which in itself gives me goosebumps, then they kick in to Thunderstruck by ACDC. That was an almighty pump up. Uh, ACDC, Thunderstruck, one of the all-time great tracks uh, to really get hyped. So once that kicked in, it was business time. Unfortunately, though, Warriors just couldn't get it done in the end. Loved Sean Johnson's game, though. He continues to play in peak form, and I'm just so stoked that Andrew Webster has this Warriors side competitive. Long season ahead, though. Very long season ahead, so we need to keep those wins coming. And last year on the podcast, I broke the season down into thirds or into, yeah, three. Uh, So the first third was round one through to magic round, then from magic round through the origin period, and then the final third was from after origin through the final series. So now heading into round nine, round 10 is magic round. So after round nine, the first third of the season, that's the way I've broken it down, uh, is complete. So as far as how we've gone so far it's been a mighty effort but the biggest and toughest games are still in front of us so we cannot afford to continue to lose too many and we've got Roosters and Panthers up next so a big challenge, a challenge that the Warriors in recent years were almost destined to fail Uh, but this is a new Warriors outfit as evident by the great performance against the Melbourne Storm, but in the end, Melbourne just, their class proved too much to handle. Nelson sofa Solomona, I thought he really changed the game coming off the bench. As I said, start of the game, Warriors, we were just rolling through the middle, uh, but that all changed once Big Nelson came on. They kind of positioned him as well, a little bit more toward the edge so that they could get more minutes out of him, And Nelson with not just an inspirational game, but a huge announcement after the contest that Nelson has re-signed with Melbourne for a further four years. Now there was a video that got posted, all the boys in the sheds getting around him. They clearly love big Nelson. And I mean, why wouldn't you? The guy's an absolute enforcer, came coming off a huge Anzac Day game. And now Melbourne have fended off the Dolphins to hold on to Big Nass for a further four seasons. 30 to 22 in the end, congratulations to Melbourne and very proud of what I saw as a Warriors fan. And that concludes the eight games across the round and now there's only one thing left to do and that is to get amongst the performance highlights. As always, performance highlights of the round can be found over on our Instagram at notjustasportsreport. We've got all the performance highlights up on the page in visual form uh, if you want to get amongst it that way. Uh, But I always like to break it down. Now, we're just under half an hour of the podcast, so I'm going to try to keep this quick. Make it nice and listener-friendly. You can just get the podcast done and fucking be on your way. ...to the preview, which I'm going to record straight after this. Preview for round nine. So, a lot of league content coming out. uh, But let's finish this podcast with the performance highlights from Anzac round. Player of the round was a bit of a tricky one. There are a few contenders. Uh, I've gone with Latrell Mitchell. I just thought his spark toward the end of the game against the Panthers... ...was just unbelievable. And just given the strength of the opponent and the nature of the contest. Rabitos, really not being able to get over Panthers in recent years. Uh, I just thought it was a game of real significance for the Bunny season and take your pick. I thought Cody Walker for the second straight week could have been the player of the week, but I've gone with Latrell Mitchell. I just thought he had an outstanding display, did make a couple of mistakes, uh, but he came up with those major plays scored a try just before our full-time, and then that opened the door for Isaiah Tass to score the game-winner. So I've gone with Luttrell Mitchell, player of the round, and I think as the season progresses, especially through origin, Luttrell's gonna start to hit peak shape and really hit his straps. So I don't think we've seen the best of Luttrell yet, but he is my player of the round in Anzac Day. Now let's jump in to my team of the round. The trail Mitchell at fullback, of course, player of the round. On the wings, I had Tau Tau Moga and Xavier Coates. Now Tau Tau Moga was on the right side. Looking at left side wingers, no one really stood out to me over the past round, to be honest. Robert Jennings scored a double, but he also had some pretty questionable moments in the Dolphins' win against the Titans, So I've gone with Xavier Coates. I thought he played a pretty decent game. wasn't a standout across the round, but yeah, there weren't too many wingers on the left side that were jumping out at me. So wingers, I've gone Tau Tau Moga, who's coming off a hat-trick, Xavier Coates. Speaking of hat-tricks, Stephen Crichton, he's in the centres for team of the round, alongside Dane Gagai, who had something like 13 tackle breaks against the Cowboys had a really good game with ball in hand and starting to hit form as we approach Origin. So Crichton and Gagai in the centres. In the halves, I went with Cody Walker, who had a massive game and played a huge role toward the clutch stages in getting the Bunnies over the line uh, up against Penrith. Nico Hines in the halfback jersey had another sensational game against the Bulldogs. Sean Johnson had the Warriors one I reckon he might have just got himself in there, but Nico Hines. I think we're just starting to get sensitized to just how good this guy is. Another fantastic performance. So I've put Hines at halfback. In the front row, I've gone Nelson Asofa Solomona and Jared Wallace. Nelson, I just spoke about his impact coming off the bench against the Warriors. That was a major turning point in the contest. And Jared Wallace... He was huge in getting the Dolphins back into the game and then eventually beating his former side in the Titans. Not just that, but Wallace now, not just running hard, but he's clearly adding an element of ball playing uh, to his repertoire. And I just thought this has been one of the best performances we've seen in a long time from Jared Wallace. So Jared Wallace and Big Nelson are my front rowers, but an honourable mention to Hame Saleh from the Rabbitohs, who only just missed out. I went with Harry Grant as the dummy half of the round. In the back row, David Fafita, despite the Titans' loss. Fafita defensively was really good, I thought, and made a lot of meters, was dangerous with ball in hand, and I think Titans' woes in losing that game, David Fafita didn't play a huge part in it. I thought... His game held way more positives than negatives, and I've gone with David Fafita and the Sharks' Britain Nakora in my back row. And rounding off the team of the round, Ruben Cotter at Lock Ford got through a mountain of work in the win against the Knights. So just quickly repeating team of the round, Latrell Mitchell, Tau Tao Mugger and Xavier Coates on the wings, Stephen Crichton and Dane Gagai in the centers, the halves combo of Cody Walker and Nico Hines. In the middle, Nelson Asofa Solomona, Harry Grant, and Jared Wallace. Fafita and Nakora on the edges, and Ruben Cotter at Lock forward. Round 8's team of the round. Moment of the round? That would have to be the Dolphins' epic comeback from 26 0 down to peg the game back and eventually get the win. How can that not be the moment of the round? And the fact that it's the Dolphins, a side that many had as wooden spoon favourites, they just continue to find new ways to win this, their most impressive yet. And also on the Dolphins front, some news breaking, Josh Kerr from the Dragons has signed a two-year deal starting next year with the Dolphins, uh, who unfortunately missed out on Big Nelson and Jack Whiten as well, but nonetheless dolphins still growing and really building a fantastic franchise early on now talking point i had the major movements jack whiten heading to the south sydney Rabbitohs and roger tuavasa shek returning to the warriors i spoke a bit about that at the start of the podcast and i just feel like look i'd have a lot to say on the jack whiten thing but i think Throughout this week, we're going to hear an absolute metric fuck ton about Jack Whiten's move. So, yeah, like, it's unfortunate for the Raiders, and there's news that Raiders are going to be looking for the NRL to audit the Raboteau's salary cap, something with third-party deals. In other words, this looks like it might get ugly, and there's a lot more potentially to play out in this Jack Whiten saga, so... As things progress, I'll continue to talk about it, but for now, massive news, no doubt, and the biggest talking point coming out of the weekend, the major movements. Jack White to the Bunnies, Roger Tuavazashek returning to league next year. As for my Tough Stuff nomination, I've gone with Nelson Asofa Solomona, already kind of broken down why I've selected him as the Tough Stuff nomination, just coming off the bench, He totally changed the game, and I think without him there, Warriors probably would have won that game. So Big Nelson, really huge performance, and an even bigger post-game, given that that he's announced some massive news that he's staying for another four years. Rising Star nomination? To be honest, there weren't any young players across the round uh, that haven't already been nominated that stood out to me. So I've gone with a guy who has been unlucky not to get nominated already. Didn't have a massive game uh, on Anzac Day, but yeah, um, this is more just what he's done to to date and the fact that no young player really screamed for selection here. So my Rising Star nomination, I've gone with Melbourne Storm winger Will Warbrick, starting to really warm into his role over on that right side of the park. And yeah, former seven star very gifted athlete i wonder if he'll be the one that makes way once pappenhausen's back but he is a rising star and he is now officially eligible to be voted on at season's end alongside guys like paul alamotti jacob preston isaiah katoa junior tupo brendan Hans. those are some of the nominations up to this stage of the season and of course last year Rising Star, the not-just-a-sports report. Rising Star won by none other than Jeremiah Nanai. So, look, it's a prestigious award. I know many of the young players in the NRL are talking, oh, is Mick going to nominate us for the Rising Star? And just, yeah, I I heard they might even skip the Dell EMs to check out the Rising Star Awards. But for now, we're just doing nominations. Will Warbrick, the latest nomination for the Rising Star. And the final two things to get into before I say sayonara until the preview. uh, Cause for concern. The Gold Coast Titans, the Titanics. They should be called the Gold Coast Frightened because they looked frightened to defend in that second half. Uh, I mean, what's not concerning about giving up a 26-0 lead? More concerning is the fact that they have done it before. And Justin Holbrook, a coach whom I think very highly of, now finds himself under a lot of pressure. A promising start to the season beginning to unravel. And Gold Coast, they have limited time to really get themselves back into form. Otherwise, their coach may end up paying the ultimate price. So things looking quite grim at the Titans. That's really all I have to say on that. Let's not dwell on negativity. Gold Coast Titans cause for concern. And finally, knocking on the door. This is for a reserve grade player that is knocking on the door. Not wanking, that sounded kinda (laughs) like wanking. Uh, They're knocking on the door, they're not wanking. And if someone knocks on their door, they say come in, because they're not wanking. Um, Jaden, sorry, that was so fucking rogue. Jaden Sullivan. For the second time as well this season, I've gone with Jaden Sullivan. Produced four try assists on the weekend, and he's in such good form. Now, I wonder if the Dragons part ways with Anthony Griffin. Ben Hunt, his future, unclear. I wonder whether Dragons just pull the trigger and say, Jaden Sullivan is absolutely ready for first grade. Pair him and Teletel Amon together. Maybe it doesn't click straight away, but this is a halves pairing that you can hang your hat on for five to 10 years. So Jaden Sullivan, he continues to impress. He's been on the radar as a player of note for quite some time and his performances at cup level continue to impress. That being reflected in the fact that this is the second time Jaden Sullivan has been nominated for the knocking on the door. So he is very close to a start in first grade again. Obviously he began the year at NRL level but I just feel like if Dragons aren't going to give Jaden Sullivan the chance to play first grade, someone else is going to because Sullivan absolutely killing it at four try assists on the weekend. To back up the five try assists he had only a couple of weekends ago, Jaden Sullivan, give the man a go. Uh, but with that being said, that's the podcast. I've got through the two games, we've got through the performance highlights, and given that it's already Wednesday... I better bloody haul ass. It's time for me to look into round nine. So what I'm going to do when I finish this pod, I'm going to immediately start recording the preview for round nine. And that should be out right now. Uh, Looking around Wednesday, the 26th of April, which is today. Uh, I actually slept in between the podcast after the Warriors game. I just used up a lot of juice. And I was like, I need to fucking rest before I record. And just take it all in. Process the loss. So it's actually Wednesday right now. Uh, it is coming up to lunchtime. And in a few hours, essentially, I'll have the podcast out. So if you're listening on Wednesday and the podcast isn't already out, it's on its way. And if you're listening now, maybe just have a sus. It's probably already out. So going to have a sit down now and record round nine. We have now comprehensively wrapped... Round 8, a magnificent round to honour the Anzacs and all our servicemen and women across Australia. And of course, my beautiful homeland, New Zealand. A great round capped off with two massive games that were highly entertaining. And now, we set our sights on round 9. The final round in my first third of the season. And I'm very excited to launch into it. So that has been it from today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, appreciate the support and best way to keep up with all things NJSR is to follow us either on Instagram at not just a sports report, or to simply follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on and you'll be able to see as soon as the preview podcast drops. That is all though. Thank you for listening and have a ripper day I'll catch you pretty shortly for the round nine preview.